these things do to our body and how we react. And so I used to be a very overreactive person and I do a very stressful job. So being overreactive um, in those kind of situations can be very detrimental. But what I finally understand now is that's what trauma does to you. It makes you an overactive, anxious person. And when you start to deal with that and get back into your body, because what trauma does is always tries to keep you out of your body and you dissociate or you, you know, you're always living in your head and, you know, rushing around and doing all kinds of things. When you actually get back in your body and heal your body and tell your body you're safe, and there's so many different embodying techniques, it starts to all just go away and your life changes. Like you actually can enjoy things that you've probably never noticed in your life before. Like being outside, hearing birds, seeing the trees, like just the beauty of life because you're always in fight or flight and scanning for danger. Your brain is like, your brain doesn't know time and it's still, so it still thinks that you're back then and you're in danger all the time. Hola friends, and welcome to the Medicine, Marriage and Money podcast. The only podcast for physicians who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, a Gottman leader, and a certified life and marriage coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome. Bienvenidos. Please help me welcome our guest on today's episode of Medicine, Marriage, and Money, Dr. Stephanie Byerly. Dr. Stephanie Byerly is an academic anesthesiologist, certified life coach, and published author. She helps women physicians take back control of their lives. I invited Dr. Byerly to be a guest today because she has experienced many challenges in her own life, including childhood trauma, divorce, becoming a single parent, dealing with the addiction of a loved one, and physician burnout, and has the incredibly and has an incredibly powerful outlook on life that I wanted her to share with us today. Dr. Stephanie is the loving mother of two daughters, ages 25 and 26, and our paths have crossed multiple times as we work in the same place. We have trained at the same life coach school, and we're both very active on a uh, online group of physician entrepreneurs, um, lovers and growth accelerators. So thank you so much for coming to talk with me today. Welcome, Dr. Byerly. Hi, I am so excited to be here. Uh, it's great to see you again. And thank you so much for asking me to do this. I'm really excited and passionate about sharing this information with women who may be experiencing the same kind of things. Yeah. And, you know, I'm going to open a little bit differently than I tend to normally open because I I typically ask, okay, you know, how you fell in love, how you met your spouse, and you have a little bit different story. So I just want to start there. I want to start with, okay, you know what? And actually, we can actually start kind of similarly, but knowing that you're not actually married right now, because I want to know what it's like you know, for the women, I, I have several coaching clients out there who feel like they may be married to narcissistic um, spouses. Mm. And tell me, what was that like falling in love with your ex? And then how did that evolve? So I had come from a, a home where my mom was married five times, uh, sexual abuse, a lot of mental abuse. My mother was a narcissist and also had borderline personality disorder, severe depression. 
And so I um, really was exposed to a lot of things and uh, grew up in a very, you know, abusive, mentally abusive situation. And so, you know, when I always had wanted to become a doctor and um, really feel like there was a divine intervention that I really made it through the whole process because my life could have really gone in another direction and at one point was heading in it in that direction. But I stood the course. And when I was in medical school, I met someone who was a physician as well, who uh, was in training. And this person seemed like my knight in shining armor, like they understood me and they were wanted, you know, wanted to just have a great life together. And I thought, oh my gosh, this person and their family is wonderful. And, and oh my gosh, like I can finally have this wonderful family that loves me and accepts me. And, you know, I, you think, okay, two physicians, right? You're going to have this amazing life. And, and what I used to think was like, there was this pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And I don't, I don't just mean financially, I just mean everything, right? The, the house with the white picket fence and the two kids and the dog, and what I didn't realize until, and I really, it took me a very long time to really realize what was happening years, years, but he was a, really a, a narcissist and, and some other issues as well, but that I was slowly really being brainwashed and I really didn't understand that. And so it started to be very much of the happy, happy, and then all of a sudden criticizing me for everything and every move I made, you're not doing that right you shouldn't say it this way or, you know, and at one point during our marriage, um, he actually said to me, well, you're just a physician and there's so much more that you should be doing. Mm -hmm. And so it was this constant barrage of criticism. And I, for a while didn't know better and really thought, well, he, maybe he does know better. Like, I think I'm losing my mind here, you know, because he's this established person and, and I won't mention what kind of physician he is, but that, but it even would make you more think, well, maybe he knows better and he has this wonderful family and he's so successful. So, you know, it really, um, you, I started to lose myself and doubt myself, you know, and that was the beginning of like very long, um, painful path. Wow. Okay. So it sounds like, yeah, he was never really very supportive. Initially, very, very supportive. And so they're very charismatic and they're very manipulative and they know what to say to pull you in to sort of get you where they, you really think they have your back and you trust them. And then slowly but surely, it's this like, you know, little bit at a time pattern of just beating you into submission. Wow. So like, who did he even want you to be if a physician is not enough, right? Right. And it was like, well, you should be doing research and you should be starting a group for sexually abused female doctors that, you know, where you work and, and, you know, and all of this and how even, you know, we had uh, two children and um, it was like, okay, when we're, we're walking in the grocery store, you should be putting your arm on your children and you should be talking to your children. I mean, like it was everything. Real, I, okay. And so I was afraid of my own shadow. And then I had this very, very stressful job and I was accelerating at that. I could go to work and I could compartmentalize it and um, just excel there. 
But in my, my personal life, it was like, oh my gosh, like sometimes to be honest with you, um, he would wait for me to come home at night. Like I might get home at midnight from being on call, being at work from 6 a.m. And I was on call till the next morning and he would wait up for me. And sometimes I would drive around and wait for the light to go out because I was like, I can't go home and be being to a pulp as far as emotionally, verbally and be on call till the next morning. And maybe I have to go in and, and, you know, take care of a patient. And so it was, and I, but I didn't really realize how bad it was. Uh, and then one day a light bulb went off and I was like, what? Oh my God. Like what has happened to my life? Yeah. So what is it? Because, you know, Stephanie, I do have, uh, I've had clients before who feel like they've been married to narcissistic spouses, but don't want to leave because they feel like because of their young children, they're like, well, if they're with him 50% of the time, then what are they going to learn? How are they going to turn out? Like, I'm not going to be there to help them through that. Did those thoughts ever cross your mind or was that just yes. like, what was the light bulb moment that for you? Absolutely. And I knew that I myself had to get out of the situation and become stronger and resilient to be able to, to um, help my children through that. And um, one of my daughters, um, really from the time she was born, I knew that she had some significant like anxiety and things. And so it was a constant having to communicate with him after our divorce about her. And I knew I had to fight the fight for that. And I had to build up my resilience and become stronger for them. Because if I was going to stay in the marriage, I was not going to be a good mother for them because I, when I was with them, I was not really mentally present. I was physically present, but always walking on eggshells. And, um, you know, it's an abusive relationship. And so you're always scanning for danger. You're always in fight or flight and you're really not mentally present. So, you know, the, the question of, and each individual obviously has to decide for themselves, but, but um, often in times getting out of the relationship so that you can be strong for your children is what, okay. What works. And, and, and I, I'm, you know, for me, I'm grateful. I'm, I'm very faith filled. And one night when I was really like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? Cause our divorce be, turned out to be very vicious when it, it when it wasn't supposed to, you know, at first, Oh, we're going to have this very collaborative, you know? And, um, and I got a message from God that said, you're doing this to save your children. And, the, and from then on, I never looked back. Wow. And how many years into your marriage were you? We got divorced 10 years into our marriage. 10 years ago. Okay. And you're so how old were your kids? Uh, they were three and four. Three, oh, so they were. 2001. Yeah. It's been, it's been a while. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, that's, so that's the other thing, right? There's the, the fear of the divorce, like just going through it and how oh. emotionally draining that is. Oh, it was. The, oh, he, he pulled out all the stops. I mean, my attorney was like, I've never seen anything like this before. And she said, I've never seen what he has done to his attorney. Like the manipulation is unbelievable. And so how did you get through that? Like how to? It was expensive for, first of all, but um, it was, I, I mean, every day was just like a fight literally. And to be, I had to really work on my emotional resilience and um, to be able to fight the fight. And okay. it, it was just, 
I say that, you know, my childhood was very damaging, but I think that that 10 years was probably more damaging in a lot of different ways. And, but unfortunately I had to continue very closely my relationship with him because of one of my daughters. And the day that she turned 18 was like my liberation day because I had to fight for her and I didn't have to discuss anything with him anymore because then he got out of the picture. Really? Okay. So was, was it 50, 50? Like how did you guys do child custody? Yeah, we had joint custody and um, he got married very quickly after we got divorced to someone mm-hmm. who had children as well. And um, so they would, they would uh, go there half the time and he decided to move as far away on the custody agreement as possible to make it very difficult. Um, and, you know, it, it was just, um, I would say from when we got divorced until my, my youngest was turned 18, it was hell every day. Oh, okay. That's a long time because you said she was She's 25 now and thank goodness she's doing well, but it was a very long road. And um, we had to make decisions medically jointly and it was a very difficult fight. Well, what do you say to the women who are like, well, wouldn't it have been easier to just stay? No, I have to be honest with you. I really, at some points, Never made a plan of suicide, but I thought to myself, this just isn't worth it. Like life is not supposed to be this way. It was so horrible. You just okay. never knew what you were coming home to. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just, it was, it was just this constant barrage of negativity and walking on eggshells. It's sort of like when you're married to say an alcoholic or something, you know, somebody with an addiction that you just have no idea like what you're going to walk into. And so you're trying to navigate the whole system to keep everybody safe. Yeah. And so since you've been out of that relationship, um, what have you discovered about yourself and like the other relationships you've, you've been in since then? I really went on a path of personal growth. I really had to, I was burned. I got really burned out at work at the same time. Um, and so I started my, my growth exploration, which has been a long process, but what I really started to recognize was that a lot of my actions were driven by the trauma that I had suffered as a child. And I, I call myself a trauma survivor. Um, but my body, what I didn't understand, and I'm still learning more and more is that the body keeps the score. And that trauma lives in your, not only in your brain, but it also lives in your body and your physiology. And you're, even though you're in an abusive situation, it's still the similar situation to what your body thinks is safe because that's what you grew up with. Mm -hmm. And so we tend to get involved with people like that, not even knowing it because they're so manipulative. And so I really had to learn like what, you know, how am I contributing to this? What do I have to figure out in order to be able to be a single mom and take care of my daughters? And of course, a lot of I I reflected on, I I don't want to be like my mother. Um, And so uh, I was very resilient because my, my mother made me start paying rent at 15. And so I had to get a job and and I had to buy a car at 15. And um, so I had a great work ethic already. And so uh, work was like a savior for me. Um, and it gave me my independence. And yeah. yeah. And um, so I, I had to really look at myself. And again, this has been a long process of discovery. But what was driving all of this? And, you know, 
who did I really want to be for my daughters? And who were some of your role models? Like who, who were the people who you read or listened to or really helped you through this time? So Marianne Williamson, A Course in Miracles, and Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer, were, it was just like a savior to me. And then um, faithful, faithful sort of to get my faith back because he was very much an atheist and didn't want any kind of, you know, any part of religion and just... Um, I really had to rediscover who I, what I wanted in religion. And I found, um, I grew up Jewish, but not really raised Jewish. Like my father was Catholic. My mother was Jewish, but we okay. never really grew up in the Jewish faith. Um, so I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I did a lot of exploration and figured out that, that, that Judaism really wasn't for me per se. And so I found the Unity Church and got involved in that, a non-denominational church, and my kids were involved, and we got baptized, and that has sort of been a really big part of my life since then, and so that was very helpful to me, but just to really realize like who I was as a person and how strong that I was, and to build that back up, because I literally was afraid of my own shadow for a very long time. Wow. Okay. Well, that's amazing. I mean, and there are support systems out there. Like you're saying, you just have to figure out which one works for you. Yes. But I think the main, I would say the main tenants really are when you're with a narcissist, um, that you have to build up your own resilience and you have to have a support system and it may be support groups and maybe counseling coaches, et cetera, family members, but that the way to really survive this and start to really realize what you want to do and not live in the fear all the time is that you have to build up your own sense of who you are, of self-compassion, like fierce self-compassion, because what you do is you start to really feel the shame and guilt when you start to realize what you've been living in and what you've probably put your children through and what you've probably put people close to, close to you, what you have put them through, because your life just becomes a drama and chaos, like constant. Wow. Okay. And yeah, and back to the children, you know, so like, what have you done to help? You said your, your youngest is, was the one who was had, had struggled with anxiety. Yeah. Like, what have you done to help her? Because I'm sure that's not, it's not like just, okay, this is what you do. One, two, three, you had to figure out what she needed along the way. Yes. And I had to do a lot of counseling about that. And I did like cognitive behavioral therapy myself in order to teach okay. her that because it was very difficult to get her care when, the, when, you know, when you have to make joint decisions medically. And so I tried to, as much as I could help her until it got to the point where there was, there was not a way that it could be uh, where he could not agree with her getting care. And okay. so, but it, it was, if I think back, I, I have, I could tell you that, and I've luckily done work on this trauma work, with EMDR, but the PTSD that I had from the fight of, of, you know, for my daughter was again, maybe one of the worst things that I've had to deal with in my life, but it's also helped me to be a very, very resilient and strong individual now. Okay. No, and it sounds like, okay, let's go back. Cause you said a couple acronyms that not everybody might recognize, but it sounds like, so you did the cognitive behavioral therapy yeah. on yourself so she could help her, yes. right? Since she was, since maybe you and your ex didn't agree for her to get it, 
Yeah. And then what was those other two acronyms you said? Um, so EMDR is eye movement desensitization therapy. And it doesn't, the, the one that I did was not even with eye movement, but it's just a similar, it's a way of like the therapist use uh, different tools for distraction so that you can get back into the situ the traumatic situations and sort of relive them, but okay. relive them from your brain now and rewrite the stories and then desensitize the the response, like the visceral response that you get, the fight or flight response. Oh my gosh. So, how, how long does that take? Um, we, you know, they say that if you do EMDR weekly for six months, it's like three years of talking therapy. I mean, it is intense, but okay. you have to be, you have to be with a therapist that knows what they're doing and you have to be ready psychologically, like to deal with things because oftentimes repressed memories of trauma will come up. And they can really throw you for a loop if you're not with somebody who can really be supportive of you and help you through it. And there's also therapy called EFT tapping. Um, and so there's a lot of and there's there's a lot of um, amazing knowledge that's coming out about trauma now. I mean, it is I can't read enough about it and absorb enough about it to be a trauma informed coach for my clients. Um, but the, what trauma does to you and the diseases that it causes, like they pretty much know that most of the autoimmune diseases now are caused from trauma that's repressed in your body. And it's the fact that we're living in fight or flight with our elevated, you know, norepinephrine, epinephrine, cortisol, and what these things do to our body and how we react. And so I used to be a very overreactive person and I do a very stressful job. So being overreactive um, in those kind of situations can be very detrimental. But what I finally understand now is that's what trauma does to you. It makes you an overactive, anxious person. And when you start to deal with that and get back into your body, because what trauma does is always tries to keep you out of your body and you dissociate or you, you know, you're always living in your head and, you know, yeah. rushing around and doing all kinds of things. When you actually get back in your body and heal your body and tell your body you're safe, and there's so many different embodying techniques. It starts to all just go away and your life changes. Like you actually can enjoy things that you've probably never noticed in your life before. Like being yeah. outside, hearing birds, seeing the trees, like just the beauty of life. Cause you're always, in fight or flight and scanning for danger. Your brain is like, your brain doesn't know time. And it's still, so it still thinks that you're back then and you're in danger all the time. Yeah. I mean, this is just like, oh, just this like few minutes conversation is open by eye and kind of laid it out for even the, our audience to say like how many different types of therapy there are. Like, yeah. it's not just you go to a therapist and like you have to find the right fit for you. And it sounds like you've found a lot, like a lot of different techniques that have worked. And especially for like your the nervous system, like we're kind of like talking about yes. the nervous system. Yes. And I feel like there's so little that we're actually taught in medical school about this mm -hmm. in the nervous system. Yes. And, and I think that really the knowledge is exploding now. And so hopefully... Um, this will get incorporated, you know, into medical schools. But what I realized was there was there was a great book by Oprah and this doc, and Dr. Perry, and, it, and it's called What Happened to You. And it okay. talks about that when someone around you is acting a certain way, it's sort of like not what's wrong with you necessarily, but what happened to you. And there's another great book called The Body Keeps the Score. And when you understand 
really what has happened to your nervous system. And when you have, say, a narcissistic parent, um, what happens is you don't, and you don't get their attention. As a kid, you're a baby, a child. You're naturally, you want to be taken care of by your parent. And when you realize that they're not there to take care of you, you attention seek or you, you know, you get illnesses because you want their attention. And this is all because you're not getting nurtured in the way that you're supposed to young in your life. So your nervous system at that point is set up for the rest of your life. And there actually uh, recently some papers just came out about knowing that this also happens while you're in utero. And so if you have a mother who is very anxious or in an abusive situation that gets baked into the baby's brain and physiology. It's yeah. What is that called? Epigenetics, right? Epigenetics. Epigenetics. And, and then we also have, you know, generational trauma. And um, so as women, we have multiple layers of this that men don't have in addition. And if I start talking about that, I'll never stop. But, <laughs> um, but we have this other, you know, we, we sort of have this trauma, trauma um, stuff that's passed down to us as women about how we're supposed to act, how we're supposed to look how we're supposed to place the ball, how we're, you know, pretty much everything. And so it's just fascinating to know that there's reasons for all of the things. Like we're not broken. We're enough. And it's all just what's happened to us. And if we want it to be different, there's ways that it can be. But just to even learn that it's not your fault and the shame and the guilt is what keeps us stuck. Oh my gosh, that was brilliant. It's yes, it's not, you're not broken. You're not broken. Right it's the shame and the guilt that keeps you stuck. It isn't. And we're so resilient. Like, yes. so, you know, women are so resilient and physicians are so resilient. And women physicians, we're probably some of the most resilient people that walk the planet. And when we don't understand that, that's the amazing part about having somebody who will make sure you know how amazing you are and help you get that back. And could you just share those resources one more time? You said, what happened to you by Oprah and Dr. Bruce Perry. And the thing that about that book and um, is it gives you experiences. Like it tells you real life stories that put everything into perspective. And then the body keeps the score. Okay. Another uh, amazing one. And there's another one um, by Gabor Mate that is, I believe the title is When the Body Says No, um, When Enough is Enough. When the Body Says No. Okay. Yeah. And the great thing is there's so many podcasts and things available even to just start learning about this stuff because I think people who have had trauma, uh, big T, like, you know, we talk big T, little T, like big traumas, little traumas. People can experience the same big trauma, but they have a different response to it. And so it's all based on our nervous system and how sensitive we are to these things. Mm -hmm. You start to just really understand like what trauma does to you. And we're all traumatized now because of the pandemic, the political situation, the racial situation. So that really it's a tridemic. It wasn't just a pandemic. And we're all the way that we're all inundated by the news constantly constant news. Now the war in the Ukraine. I mean, it's constant and we're all traumatized by that. But as physicians, we've been through multiple levels of trauma. Even if you had, didn't have trauma in your personal life, just the journey of becoming a physician is trauma. And what we see is trauma. Absolutely. Which just means like we all need some form of 
therapy, counseling, coaching, help, like just talk and figure out what's going on in your brain, right? Just don't plow through life. Yeah, absolutely. Not yourself. And just, okay, I like to close all my episodes with a little bit about finance. And I know we talked about your expensive divorce, yes. but I wanted to know if you could touch a little bit on, you know, debt as a woman mm -hmm. and what that looked like for you. And, you know, you are a practicing physician, still are, and, and certified life coach. So what did that look like? And what does it look, what is your financial situation now? How do you? So I would, you know, I grew up on welfare. Um, and so I, when somehow, again, I think this was all divine. Um, but, you know, when I got into medicine um, and went through medical school, I had some debt, but my ex-husband and I, um, we had, I, I won't tell you the number, but it was a terrifying number when we finished training and moved uh, to Texas and um, ended up paying off that debt, working through it. But then the divorce caused a whole bunch of other, de you know, debt. Uh, but when I finally got that paid off and I worked extra, so when I didn't have my kids, I would take extra call and do these things. I finally paid off my debt and I was like, oh my gosh, this is free, another form of freedom. And so started to really save and, and really had to pay for my kids' education. I ended up having to pay for both of my kids' education. And I knew that that was going to happen. And I was the one responsible to buy the cars and the cell phones. And, and so really just had to focus on saving um, and making sure I had enough for that. And, and then starting to say, you know what, like I'm going to have a life after my kids. And, and of course I want to provide a legacy for them, but I needed to start saving for in retirement. And so really working extra to do that. And now I'm very financially secure. I'm very, excited to be able to go down a percent at work. So I'm going to, in September, really wanting to focus on my coaching, going down um, a day a week for uh -huh. working. And so with my entrepreneurial stuff, really learning about that, but also, you know, branching out and doing this passive real estate and, and things like that to not, I'm getting out of my fear comfort zone about things that I want to start exploring and I'm not letting my brain hold me back about, you know, um, you know, don't do this, don't do that. But, you know, with all the financial situation going on now, obviously most of us have probably lost some of our retirement, um, but not getting focused on the fear of that and knowing that that will improve. Um, I've got mm -hmm. a long way to go with working. Um, but I am very focused on finally learning about that part because before I trusted other people to help me with that. And I really suffered the consequences of that as well. And so I would advise anyone to please like really look into who you're trusting financially um, and constantly check on it. I think as physicians, we think, oh, people have our best interest at heart and blah, blah, blah. But they really sometimes don't. So to really try to take control for yourself and try to learn and get educated financially. And I think that's a big part about being in a relationship like this in a narcissistic relationship. You are very powerful with the money that you can earn. And please don't let the money part hold you back because you will figure it out once you get strong enough to actually know that you have your own back and that you're not broken and that you can take care of yourself and your children. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Nobody will care about your money and your children and yourself you know, the way that you can. Right. So. Yes. And I will also say 
that if anyone has to go through a divorce with a narcissist, they'll try to bleed you dry financially. And it almost is to the point where they want to beat you in submission and you just want to give up and just agree to everything because you're so tired and you're so beat down. But don't give up. Don't give up. Because going back to court to try to fight a narcissist afterwards is almost impossible. They're very <laughs> manipulative and very, they can convince a judge of anything. So wow. fight the fight and don't give up and it will be worth it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing all these really wonderful, powerful points, Dr. Byerly. It's been such an honor to interview you today. And I just want to close with where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? So my website is uh, physicianhealer.com. And there's a little button at the top that says schedule a discovery call. And I would love to talk to people. Uh, Women deserve to be happy. They deserve to have joy in their life, personal and professionally. And they, um, I love to work with women and, you know, who want to be leaders as well. Um, and, um, my web, as far as social media, it's at the physicianhealer.com for, for Facebook and for Instagram. So also on LinkedIn. So, well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. It's been awesome. Oh my gosh, what a powerful session with Dr. Stephanie Byerly. I could have talked to her all day about trauma-informed coaching, response, oh my gosh, epigenetics, and you know she had a ton more to say about the patriarchy and women and how we've been kind of suppressed, if not dominated in the past, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years and, and how people are, are viewing that and finally talking about it in today's, today's world. And, um, and the tridemic, right? How it's, it hasn't been actually just the pandemic that we've been living through, especially as physicians the past several years, it's been politics. It's been, it's been social justice there. It's the tridemic. So my big take-home points from Dr. Stephanie Byerly, number one, your body is keeping score. Even if your mind is not, your body holds on to whatever happened in your past that you have repressed or suppressed or denied. Whatever it is that happened, if you haven't worked through it completely, if your mind you know, doesn't remember what happened. Find somebody to help you through that, to find, to help you through that. Because regardless of whether you think you forgot about it or affects your life now or not, if you actually haven't completely worked through it and you find yourself in the same old situation, the same old scenario, the same types of relationships that just aren't serving you, it might be because your body is still in it and your body is just so used to it being normal that you that you haven't realized your mind hasn't realized that this is not the space for you. So please reach out and find some resources and maybe start with reading that book The Body Keeps Score or What Happened to You by Oprah and Dr. Bruce Perry. Number 2. You are not broken. You are enough. The shame and guilt will keep you stuck. You are not broken. You are enough. The shame and guilt will keep you stuck. So what do you do about the shame and the guilt? First, I think just recognizing that it's there, 
And that's actually what keeping you stuck instead of your situation or whatever it is you think it is, maybe your small kids, your marriage, the job, your job situation, where you live, all the things surrounding your environment maybe you think is keeping you stuck. Maybe it's related to some under, some hidden shame, some hidden guilt that you're not sure is there. Is it there? Find it. Tell yourself it's okay, right? Figure out where it's coming from and tell yourself you're not broken and that you're enough. Number three, did you hear how Dr. Stephanie Byerly grew up on welfare, right? She had an enormous amount of debt when she and her husband married. And know that that doesn't have to be your life. Like you're not just the person who stays in debt. You don't have to just be that person with regardless how much you make, you can't seem to keep up. Like you can take charge, right? She talked about that freedom that she achieved when she finally started saving and investing and paying off her debts, right? That freedom that she felt when she started investigating, researching, learning how to invest on her own instead of relying on somebody else. This is something available to anybody and everybody. So start today. And then number three, or number four, Tell yourself how resilient you are today. Look at all that Dr. Byerly just shared with us today about how she went through childhood trauma, multiple different parts, right? Growing up in a household with her mother, multiple different personality disorders, narcissism. She had to start paying rent at age 15, right? Then she married somebody very similar, if not, you know, probably a variety of personalities, right? And how she... She buyed in to the manipulation because that's what her body knew. Okay. Yet she was so resilient, right? We all have this resiliency in us because we were given it to us when we were born. All children have it and then it becomes hidden. It becomes smothered by things we believe that people may tell us or society tells us. Uncover that. Find your resilience. Even if it's just the, okay, I'm going to get through today. And this is what I need. This is what I want. And this is how I'm going to achieve it for myself today, right now, in 15 minutes, in the hour I have at the end of the day when everyone else is asleep. Okay. And regardless of how tired, exhausted you are, you are resilient. So keep going. Keep fighting your fight. Keep walking your walk. And when you feel like you have no energy left, and you just have to lie down and submit. Reach out for help. Text one of your friends. If she doesn't listen, if he doesn't listen, text somebody else. Somebody super, super close to you. If your friends are all busy because their lives are all chaos, find somebody, a therapist, a coach, a counselor, somebody at work who you can reach out to and reach out for help. So much love, my friends, to you and your spouse.
If you are finding the concepts I teach in this podcast useful and want more in-depth personalized support for your relationship, consider this your invitation to join me in creating the most connected and intimate relationship with your spouse that you could dream of. Go to medicinemarriageandmoney.com right now and download my 18-page medical marriage survival guide and workbook at no cost to you. It has been known to decrease fighting, rumination, and grudges between your loved ones. If you want to take it a step further, really enhance the joy and connection in your most intimate relationship, sign up for my eight-week Making Marriage Work program today at www.medicinemarriageandmoney.com. Thanks for leaving us a five-star review and for telling your friends about the podcast. You have the power to improve someone else's life simply by sharing this podcast. You could save a marriage, someone else's marriage, and your own. Much love to you and your spouse. You are exactly where you need to be in this moment. Adios, my friends. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, or financial advice. The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.